For all your fantasy football needs, check out the Ringer Fantasy Football Show with me, Danny Kelly, along with Danny Heifetz and Craig Horlbeck. That's the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. This episode is brought to you by Netflix, presenting The Crown as the beloved series bids farewell. Deserving of praise on every level, says New York Magazine. Throughout its groundbreaking six-season run, The Crown has featured three different casts, earned 273 award nominations, and secured 70 award wins, including outstanding drama series. Critics rave, The Crown secures its place in the pantheon of television history. From creator and writer Peter Morgan, the final season stars Imelda Staunton, Dominic West, and SAG Award winner Elizabeth Debicki. The Crown, for your Emmy consideration in all categories. It is Thursday, December 21st. It's finally happening after literally a year of speculation about whether Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount Global might merge. Our buddy Sarah Fisher reported yesterday they are indeed talking. It's very early. This was a meeting, a lunch between Paramount CEO Bob Backish and Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zasloff. According to my sources, they talked about a number of things, including a possible merger of the companies. But this is the first official sit-down between the two companies, both of which are facing some pretty serious challenges in the streaming age. Both are heavily dependent on advertising from linear TV networks. And as we've talked about on the show, that revenue is declining pretty rapidly. And there are more indications that that revenue may not come back, might be gobbled up by the tech companies. And all this comes as the deal chatter around Paramount has grown louder and louder. I reported a couple weeks ago that Sherry Redstone, the controlling shareholder of Paramount, has discussed a possible sale of the parent company with Skydance Media, that's David Ellison's company, and Redbird Capital. That'd be the money behind it. Other potential buyers have been floated as well. It's pretty much a feeding frenzy now, and these leaks are coming fast and furious. But the question is, should Paramount, home of CBS, a bunch of declining cable networks, Paramount Movie Studio, and a money-losing streaming service, Paramount Plus, should it merge with Warner Discovery, which is home to HBO, Warner Brothers, bunch of declining cable TV networks, and a bunch of other stuff, too. That's the question today. Should these companies merge? The stocks of both dropped on the news, both of a ton of debt. And Rich Greenfield, the media analyst, doesn't think this is a good idea at all. He's pretty vocal about that. So we're going to debate the issue today. Paramount and Warner Brothers are talking. Should they merge? From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Rich Greenfield, analyst at Lightshed Media and a keen observer of the Sherry Redstone Media Empire. We had some news yesterday, some real or quasi-real news. Our buddy Sarah Fisher at Axios reported that there's been a meeting. The CEO of Warner Discovery, David Zasloff, and the CEO of Paramount Global, Bob Backish, had lunch in New York, where I am. And they talked about potentially merging the companies. So first of all, Rich, welcome. Thanks for having me. So what do you make of this? Is this the first step of a process that will 
end with these two companies merging? Is this just a desperate Paramount feeling out for any possible lifeline here? And David Zaslav saying, yeah, sure. Okay, we'll meet. Or what should we make of this? Maybe it's commiseration. <laughs> Both of these companies are in tough spots. as we Well, know. that's we what I'm getting at, right? Like, we're not at a healthy point in time. And I think often when industries are facing real challenges, and you know, this is not, mm-hmm. it's not like the ad market. We've had many points in time, Matt, where you and I have talked about ad market being a little weak or a little underperforming. I think all of these companies after, I think it's been four straight quarters of saying, oh, we see green shoots, green shoots are coming. It's going to get better. Just wait a little bit. I think all of these companies now, it's finally starting to sink in, Matt. It's never getting better. You're talking about the television ad market. And these are the two companies that are the most exposed to the television ad market because they have tons of cable networks. They do not have tons of other businesses to prop up the declining TV networks. The thing that no one's talking about is Viacom merged with CBS. That's how we got Paramount today. Yep. Stock is dramatically low. Warner Media, which was part of AT&T, got merged into Discovery. It's dramatically lower than when it merged. So one plus one on each side has equaled 0.5 or less. Now we're talking about putting 0.5 and 0.5 together, and do we end up with 0.1? Everyone is sort of missing that putting things together is not the answer here. Like I think bankers, they love taking fees and merging companies and then breaking them apart. The answer is not merging. The answer is, why is this happening? They have flawed strategies. They cannot compete with Netflix. That is the core problem is they are still trying to be global streaming platforms versus when you and I first started covering this sector and looking at this industry, what did these companies do? They focused on one thing, making great content. Well, they also focused on exploiting their linear cable networks, which were throwing off billions of dollars in cash that fueled all of the other things that they wanted to do. That is the problem. But those were not direct-to-consumer platforms. Those were effectively locations on somebody else's platform. They were not the direct-to-consumer platform themselves. And the skills of actually running a direct-to-consumer business are just dramatically different than the skills of making content. So I think these companies need to learn. And maybe it requires different boards, different executives. They need to figure out what is the business they actually can be in. Because I don't think putting, you can put Warner and Paramount together you can cut a lot of cost. You're still running into the core problem of almost all of your cash flow is coming from linear TV. That is the problem. Whether these companies are apart or separate, that is the fundamental problem. You need to be getting out of linear TV, not increasing your exposure to linear TV. And I think well, that's maybe why- maybe that's the plan. Maybe that's the plan. You combine these companies, you have two of the legacy original studios. And by the way, that's why we care so much about these companies. They are not AMC Networks or Sinclair. This is Paramount and Warner Brothers, two of the original Hollywood studios, 100 years old, tons of history and legacy. And you could potentially see these two smashed together like Disney and Fox. Thousands of people are going to get fired. 
there's going to be synergies all over the place in terms of what these companies do on a daily basis if this deal happens. But I don't see this combination necessarily being bad if you can figure out what to do with the cable networks. Maybe by packaging them together, there's some buyer out there that will take them off your hands or allow, you know, come in and invest or do something that enables this transition to streaming that we all talk about. And they then use the scale of a merged company to get to that promised land. I honestly think that view is absurd in the sense of anybody, we talk to everybody in public, private, nobody wants to own linear TV assets. Anybody's stock. I mean, the reason these stocks went down yesterday, they've opened up down today. Like the reason is nobody wants more exposure to a business that is in rapid secular decline. I think that's the fundamental problem of like, sure, you could say, oh, you know, some private equity firm's going to buy NAI because they've got a plan to sell off all the pieces. Right. That's National Amusements, the parent company of Paramount. Who is buying cable, like MTV? Have you actually, just for sort of the humor of it, you should turn on MTV and see oh, what's stop. on the schedule. I do. I watch the challenge. It's the only thing on that network other than ridiculousness. But there are days when you can literally turn it on and ridiculousness is playing 17 hours straight. Like, no, I know. I don't even understand why distributors pay for these networks. And that's what I really wanted to get to is think about what happened to Diamond Sports. And I, I don't want to take a little bit of sort of sidetrack. Mm -hmm. The here. RSNs. Yeah, the regional sports networks. And so they were bought by Sinclair and then shortly after dropped by Dish. And that was a fast track to bankruptcy within three years. Like literally $2 billion of EBITDA evaporated because carriage disappeared. What I'm trying to get across is, how can any buyer be confident? You know you have major renewals coming for Paramount over 2024. We're talking about putting billions of dollars, potentially billions of cash, to buy this asset on the hopes of selling it at a price. I can't even name one buyer for all those assets that you're talking about. But the EBITDA, the cash flow coming out of this business, will literally cease to exist if carriage drops. But as we've seen, though, the carriage isn't dropping. At least it didn't with Disney and Charter. The carriage was a huge fight, and they had to concede a number of things, namely putting the free tier of Disney Plus into the package. But don't forget, these aren't just cable networks. Paramount owns CBS, which has NFL, which is still a must carry. So if you have a negotiation coming up with a cable carriage, with a, a distributor, are they going to drop CBS? They're going to drop the NFL? The reality is in a streaming world, more and more of this content is available outside the bundle. I'm not saying there's going to be a drop. I'm saying if you're going to put up tens of billions of dollars to go buy these assets, you better be damn sure that you've got the distribution you need. And I and I just don't think any private equity firm or strategic buyer, because if you lose distribution, mm -hmm. you're going to be buying these companies at a fraction of today's cost a year from today. And so I just don't, again, I don't disagree that these companies are going to be involved in transactions. Let's just take Paramount specifically. I feel very confident over the next two to three years, Paramount is part of a larger company. I just don't have any idea why anybody would step in today looking at how bad the outlook is for advertising right now and the reset that is coming in advertising, looking at these major renewals over the course of the next six to nine months, 
looking at how horrific the 24 box office slate is, I don't see any urgency. These stocks are essentially, up until this recent excitement around M&A, these stocks are at multi-year lows and everything points to, I mean, I would take a pretty good bet a year from now, the stocks of this sector are meaningfully lower than they are today. So what's the rush to a transaction other than leaks to the press? It, it wasn't like anyone's, feels like there's been a lot of leaks on purpose over the course of the last month. How dare you? I was one of those reporters reporting on the Ellison stuff. Uh, no, I agree with you that they are churning the waters, that I think this new meeting or conversation is designed to explore a possible merger. It's also designed. But it, it, to bring... Is it designed to an explore and merger between Paramount and, and Warner Brothers Discovery? Or is it really to get the juices flowing and say, hey, Brian Roberts, we're over here and we might yeah, be involved Comcast. in a transaction if you don't exactly. buy us soon? Well, that that was finished my thought. The, the idea is to bring Comcast out, is to bring other potential buyers out and see what the companies actually were. I mean, there was actually other leaks yesterday, too. Apparently, now they're open to selling BET. And then, you know, of course, Byron Allen jumps in, as he always does. It just looks like Paramount is hanging the open for business sign, and somebody is going to take them up on that offer. Who else did the same thing? Wait, who else that you've reported on has done the same thing over the last nine months? Bob Iger. Everything is for sale. Everything is- And then it wasn't. Because he didn't like the offers. Right. You just said it. He didn't like the offers. There's no real buyers of these assets. And any re- not real people, meaning Byron Allen, there's not real people willing to buy this with real capital. Like, that's why this isn't happening. Everybody is saying everything is for sale because the house is literally on fire and burning down. And these executives, rather than making the hard decisions of, hey, Paramount Plus, shut down tomorrow. Peacock, shut down tomorrow. There's an unwillingness to make the hard decisions and simply get smaller and recognize that they are not prepared for the streaming future. It's funny though, you were the good luck bundle guy. You were the, are you all in in streaming? And you've come very full circle on this because five years ago, you were questioning these companies for not being all in on streaming. And now you want them all to get out except Netflix? There's no doubt, Matt, we were wrong. I mean, hopefully that is the quote of this podcast. Like we were wrong. <laughs> Rich Greenfield quote, I was wrong. No, no, no. It's not. Listen, we were all we were all wrong no, no, no. to a certain extent on this. One, Brandon Ross, my partner, and I, we spent a lot of time thinking about this issue of we did believe that, but these companies were too late. Like they waited mm-hmm. too long. They were yeah. too far behind. And they don't have the technical chops. Like they just don't have the DNA of a tech company. They haven't been able to hire. Like you don't come out of Stanford or MIT and go, God, I'm the best engineer in the world. And I want to go not to OpenAI, not to Netflix, not to Google. I want to go to Paramount or I want to go to Peacock. Peacock. Like, <laughs> give me a break. Like, imagine telling your parents that's what you're doing with, with your Stop. amazing these engineering are both, degree. These are both good companies. It's not like you're, you know, Stop. hanging a shingle on Venice Boulevard. Like, it's not Netflix. I mean, Netflix is a tech company as well as a content company. And- these are not tech companies. And I think they have to recognize they don't understand. Like, the, the, again, it's not that the services don't work. You can go on to Max. It actually works far better today than it used to work in the mm. past. They all work but they're not focused on the most important thing in the tech world, which is time spent. Netflix wants you to stay as long as humanly possible. Disney just licensed Lost to Netflix. Like, imagine what a show like that's going to do. Look at what Suits has done on Netflix. Like, they want you never leaving. All of the other companies that you're talking about, it's all drive-by viewing. 
This episode is brought to you by Netflix, presenting The Crown as the beloved series bids farewell. Deserving of praise on every level, says New York Magazine. Throughout its groundbreaking six-season run, The Crown has featured three different casts, earned 273 award nominations, and secured 70 award wins, including outstanding drama series. Critics rave, The Crown secures its place in the pantheon of television history. From creator and writer Peter Morgan, the final season stars Imelda Staunton, Dominic West, and SAG Award winner Elizabeth Debicki. The Crown, for your Emmy consideration in all categories. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. These are businesses with pretty big subscriber numbers. It's not like these, you know, Paramount Plus is actually growing. Max has been growing, although it-, it took can, can we just back. stop on that? Can, can we stop on that and like literally do yeah. like sort of reality? Like I love the fake news story here. Like, let's just go back to the, the Max is profitable or streaming is profitable. It's complete and utter bullshit. Like, let's just go why. HBO before streaming was a $2 billion EBITDA positive business. We now have modest profitability. So you're losing one and a half to two billion dollars on streaming. It's just HBO, it's core before they did streaming. HBO made two billion dollars. So if you got rid of Max entirely, HBO was a two billion dollar profitable business. So yes, they're not losing two billion. So it's not a four billion dollar delta, but there is still a massive drain from streaming on HBO, just less than there was. And that wouldn't get better if you put the content of Paramount Plus into Max. Well, more content is never a bad thing. I don't mm -hmm. believe there is much viewing of most of the content on these services. Ballers did better on Netflix than it did on Max. So yeah, you can put 1883 or 19, I don't even know, whatever. 1923. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's, you know, you live in Hollywood. I don't. Okay. All of these there, shows. There's, there are there are now five or six Taylor Sheridan shows that do have an audience on these services. There is all the CBS content that does have an audience. There is the Nickelodeon content. HBO Max has been trying to be a player in the kids world. They are currently not a player. So why not bring over the Nickelodeon content and supercharge that business? There are synergies here. Sure, but let's go back. All of these companies, I think you would agree with me, have realized that their streaming platforms do not have enough reach or engagement for new release movies. They're going to put new release movies into theaters. You would agree with that. They don't want yeah, to put new yes, movies onto streaming. Yes. Right. Uh, well, certainly not over a certain budget threshold. They've all decided in the last six months that their catalog, TV and movies, do not perform very well on their own services, that they need to license them to other places because there isn't enough reach and engagement of their catalog, whether it be Suits, whether it's Disney's deal last week, every Warner Brothers DC movie is now on Netflix. Like all of their catalogs are now being streamed on other platforms now versus their own. Yes, which I think is a mistake for some, some of these. You got to get money, but you also got to hold stuff back. So keep Understood. Going. But new movies don't work on their streaming services. Catalog doesn't work. Yet for some reason, these companies think that putting new TV series like 
1883 or pick any Disney series. Like all of these things are not working on streaming because the services do not have enough engagement. So they have an audience of some super fans, but these platforms are just too small. They don't literally have enough scale and engagement. And that's why they should either be narrowed down to very small businesses like CBS All Access used to be, Discovery Plus, like even HBO was a niche business. It's There's nothing wrong with HBO. Like I would literally shoot Max tomorrow and just rebranded HBO and stop. Like literally just stop. Go back to a great brand called HBO. Max means nothing. And just be smaller and not try to compete. Yeah, but they, what about the whole point of the merger of Discovery and Say Warner you were wrong. We said we service. were wrong. So we were wrong. They should say they were wrong. It's, it's okay to be wrong. Everyone is wrong in life. Like, it's fine. Just go back. You will survive longer. And Warner Brothers is probably the best arms dealer historically. I don't think there's a better arms dealer in the entire world than the Warner Brothers TV and film studio. They are the yes. best at that. They sell to everybody. And they're great at creating content. They made billions of dollars selling sitcoms to CBS for like two decades. So, yes. I mean, imagine what, I'm not saying you would do it, but imagine how much somebody would pay for the Harry Potter TV series. Yeah, but I would also pay to watch it on Max. You would, because you understand and live in Hollywood. The average person does not. And that's why 1883 has a tiny fraction. I would love, it's funny, you'll never see them do it, I heard you and Lucas talking about Netflix releasing all of their data. There's no chance Paramount's going to release the data. They don't want you to know how few people watch 1883. But I no, bet it's a tiny fraction of Yellowstone. On yeah, it's, it's probably a tiny fraction of Yellowstone, but it's probably the most performing thing on Paramount+. Plus. Sure. I think on 1883, you spent high 20 millions per episode for a tiny number of viewers. You lost a tremendous amount of money doing that. There is no way that was a good decision for the franchise at all. All right. So you've laid out the pessimistic view of this potential merger. If I put a gun to your head and said, give me the optimistic view of this merger, what would it be? You take two streaming services, you eliminate one, um, and you essentially have a more robust streaming service somehow you, you start rationalizing sports rights. Like, I guess you give up the NBA because now you have the NFL. And so you're able to rationalize and scale back sports. And so you basically, you turn TBS and TNT into the MTV example, meaning you make it like ridiculousness. Like you literally- <laughs> They're um, getting there. They're pulling all the originals. It's basically sports and reruns. But you wouldn't even do sports, right? As long as you had the NFL on CBS, you would argue- there's no reason for any content whatsoever on TBS and TNT. You should put my bar mitzvah video. Like there is no oh, reason that would for get anything. a huge audience. Dude, it's amazing. But like, I'm sure there is no reason for any content in that case. And so you would literally, um, I mean, I think you would fire 90% of the cable network employees in the optimistic scenario. You would basically get to a skeleton crew, run it for sports on linear, run the cable networks just for cash and wind them down. And you'd focus on an empowered HBO, Max, whatever you want to call it, streaming service. That's not a bad idea. And then you, you know, you instantly catapult, you take all those Paramount Plus subscribers. It's what, what is it? 60 something million subscribers of Paramount Plus. Like that's not nothing. You bring them into the Discovery HBO universe and all of a sudden you're competing with Netflix, Amazon, Disney. Sure. Paramount Plus is 
primarily, a, you know, in terms of any usage, really, it's really a U.S. service. You know, I still think it's, you still have a real challenge. Um, you're still going to be far too levered even in that combination, because I don't think you can use cash. So you're, you know, you're merging these companies' stocks together. So you've got a lot of debt. Here's the fundamental challenge, honestly. Let's just go back to where we started. Over 100% of the EBITDA earnings from a cash flow from Paramount comes from linear TV, right? Because streaming loses money. Studio has never made money. So well over 100% of the earnings come from linear television. By the way, the studio does make money sometimes. I don't want you to oversimplify here, but keep going. I've covered Paramount since 1995. If you were to add up the collective earnings between 1995 and today for Paramount, the studio, the film studio. Yeah. Right, because their TV studio is inside of media networks. But if you were to look at the film studio, I mean, it made a few hundred million dollars in a year that it had Top Gun. Like, it's a pretty tiny amount of profit. It's not meaningful for the overall company, and it hasn't been in a long time. But where I'm going with this is over 100% of earnings from Paramount come from linear TV. Mm -hmm. 70% and growing of profitability comes from linear TV for WBD. So Mm -hmm. you have a company that basically you combine it in any form you want and still nearly, you know, call it 80%, you pick your number, a very high percentage of profitability is still going to come from linear TV that is declining at double digits no matter what you do. Okay. But you're not telling me who Sherry should sell to. Sherry should not sell to anyone right now. Sherry should shut down Paramount Plus, improve the odds of her renewals with her distributors by not having Paramount Plus competing against the bundle. So she should hunker down, ensure that she maintains distribution. She should license her content like the Taylor Sheridan to someone like Netflix or Amazon or Apple, like develop a long-term relationship with one of the big streamers that would dramatically boost cash flow from where it is and better position the company's value by ensuring all of these distribution deals get renewed. By the and way, then, Apple Apple is 40 million subscribers, we think, smaller than Paramount, and nobody watches it meaningfully. So that's a smaller one. But you're just you, you're including them because they have endless money. Correct. And they also like high-profile content. And then in a year, 18 months, when the balance sheet is strengthened, when they're not bleeding cash, when they're not worried about renewals coming and causing a sort of an existential crisis in 2024, you'd be in a much better position to then pursue sale of assets, sell the whole company. Um, so I, I would look at this as 2024 should be a restructuring year for Paramount rather than the what appears to be a fire sale type sort of flurry right now. But there's one other thing I would do that I think your listeners would find interesting. They need to go back to the shared infrastructure model that you and I grew up in for theatrical distribution. The you know if you remember UPI and when these companies had shared United Paramount, where oh was, this is getting really into the weeds. They had no, joint no, no, ventures for theatrical yeah. distribution. The studios used to have joint ventures for overseas distribution. Yes, they need to do that again fast because the theatrical business is under so much pressure. And they're not getting the box office, and yet they're trying to run scaled theatrical businesses. They need to cut costs. Shared theatrical overseas would be a huge cost savings for these companies. I can't imagine why it hasn't happened. Now you're just coming up with reasons to fire people. Yeah. But but hold (laughs) on. That's where we are. That's where we are. You just nailed it, Matt. The only hope these companies have is to get smaller. 
they need to change their strategies and focus on getting smaller and getting back to brands. Like I, if I leave you with one thing, like it's mm-hmm. brands, brands matter. Max means nothing. Peacock means nothing. I don't even know if Hulu means anything right now. Like these brands don't mean anything. I think it's so important. Yes, I know Netflix meant nothing, but it has become synonymous with streaming. Yeah, I don't know that they mean nothing, but you're, I get where you're, I get your point. I just don't know that they mean nothing. What does Max mean to you? Max is less than a year old and it is, you know. What does it mean? It means television, I guess. I don't know. Max is a tough one, but Peacock's been around for a few years now. They constantly plug in on NBC. It, people n- at least know what it is. You know, maybe I'm overstating that. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just, I mean, I think it means EPL if you're an EPL fan. I think it means sort of WWE yeah. if you're a WWE fan. SNL, like, yeah. I, it, but I see your point. This is a, t- a troubled time. You're advocating to get smaller, whereas these executives seem to think getting bigger is the answer. So we will see who's right. All right, Rich, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Matt. All right, we are back with the call sheet. Craig, it's here, finally. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is here. The final movie of our box office draft of the year. This is Lucas's big holiday movie and does not look great. I have a theory that that it might just be the exact same movie as Aquaman 1 and they're just not telling anybody. The trailers look identical. Maybe they could just have released the first one again and made some money, saved some money. Yeah, you actually did some forensic research on this. You played them back to back, right? (laughs) They look like the same movie, genuinely. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure David Zaslav at Warner Discovery would love that. Oh, you mean we could just release the same movie again? I don't have to spend $250 million? Same movie. (laughs) <laughs> the tracking for this one, the movie costs like $250 million. Not, not good. It uh, is about $40 million for the four-day. Remember, these are four-day openings this weekend because Christmas is on a Monday. So it's got it's Aquaman, the Iron Claw is opening this weekend, the wrestling movie, May 24, Migration, the Illumination animated film, and Anyone But You, the... Glenn Powell, Sidney Sweeney rom-com that we've been hearing about for a year and a half. But Aquaman, the tracking's at 40. I got to take the under. I just, I just think this one smells so bad that even the DC hardcore fans are going to figure out something better to do for the Christmas weekend. I couldn't agree more. I, I, I think this movie is going to shockingly underperform, like more so than any movie of the year. In my it won't be shockingly, though, because I feel like the, Warners has sort of disavowed this movie and but in, relative to the tracking, I think this will underperform more than any major movie we've seen this year. Yeah, it's actually gotten softer in recent weeks. Now they are quick to say that overseas these movies do better, and Aquaman in particular. Remember, the first one got to a billion, and you need overseas to do that because it was only three hundred something in the U.S. But I, I'd be shocked if this movie gets to two hundred in the U.S. And you know who knows what it'll do overseas. But uh, so I'll take the under the other movies we won't talk about, but they're all tracking pretty low. It's going to be a subdued holiday season this year. There's a couple of movie. I think I think Color Purple will probably overperform the Clooney movie Boys in the Boat that is getting a theatrical release for some reason. Uh, not sure why. Do we know where anyone but you is landing? It's a Sony movie. Is it going to Netflix? Do we ha- do we know the Sony output deal is with Netflix? So in six months, four months, it'll be on Netflix. Yeah, my, my prediction with that is the movie will underperform because I don't think anybody needs to go in and see that in person. But the second that thing hits Netflix, it'll be one of the biggest movies of the year. 
yeah, it'll be like no hard feelings. The Sony movies kill it on Netflix because they're big theatrical movies that get marketing campaigns. And then people see them on Netflix a couple months later and they go crazy for them. It's a perfect Netflix movie. I know. And then everyone will be able to watch Aquaman 2 on Max in a few months as well. And I don't think they're going to rush out to see in theaters, but we'll see. All right. That's the show for today. I want to thank producer Craig Horlbeck, our editor, Jesse Lopez. And I want to thank you. We will see you next week. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas.